And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. Hey guys, football season's finally here. We've been waiting for this. I'm Zach Jackson, uh, flying solo for just a couple minutes. I'm going to bring in Nate Taylor, my compadre in Kansas City. If you're a longtime listener to the pod, you know we've had him on uh, before. And um, if you're even if you're new to the pod, you know this is what we've been waiting for. The Browns are going back to Kansas City. It's kind of a rematch. It's the start of a season of high expectations. I get the hype. I get the excitement. Uh, the Browns are good. Are they as good as the Chiefs? We'll see. Do they need to be in September? Probably not. This is a really big game. This is a celebration of a much-anticipated season. It's a celebration of the work that Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski and Baker Mayfield and Jarvis Landry and Miles Garrett and the list goes on have done. Uh, the Browns have earned the right to play a 425 Sunday game in Arrowhead Stadium with Jim Nance on the call in week one when everybody's watching. <laughs> They've come a long way, baby. Um, no one is even talking this week about uh, one of the shittiest records in sports, the Browns having won one opener since returning to the league in 1999. And it'll probably still be that on Monday. We'll see. Um, but, you know, this is a different team, a different vibe. It's a different organization, guys. It really is. You know that if you're listening, if you're reading. Um, subscribe to The Athletic if you haven't already. Subscribe, download, share, all of that stuff. So I'm headed out to Kansas City on Saturday. So is Jason Lloyd. Uh, we will be back on our routine of doing these podcasts um, after the game. You know, it might not always be right after the game, but that's our plan to do it. Sometimes it might bleed into Monday morning, especially with with air travel and the way the world is right now. We can't make any guarantees, but we're both supposed to be in Arrowhead Stadium on Sunday, some point Sunday evening. We plan to record um, a civilized barking pod before we get back on the plane to come back to Cleveland. And, and we'll see. Um, the end of a, it's the start. It's not the end of anything. It's the start of a long journey. Is um, the Browns are going to have the longest regular season in team history, and they have reason to believe it can be the longest season in team history. So they don't have a bye week until December, um, but but they do. You know, after this very tough, much anticipated opener, they come home and they play the pathetic tanking Houston Texans. Then they get the Bears. Um, the stadium will be full next week. It'll be off the hook. I'm even going to get out of bed early and go soak in some of the atmosphere. It's going to be wild, but um, we'll see. So, uh, again, before we, we start getting into to the Chiefs stuff, um, I encourage you. I've been writing all sorts of preview stuff. Go on and check it out. I don't know when it is that you're listening to this, but if it's Friday afternoon or evening, gosh, there's probably five different things. I think as I record this on Thursday morning, there's probably only three different stories right now. Uh but we're turning right through. I'm taking a little podcast break right now um, in the morning to, to talk to Nate. And then I'm headed to Berea for another round of interviews and, and the little we can watch practice. So just just two quick things on that. Um, 
you know, every indication is that Odell is going to play. You know, he was cleared um, to start camp. He didn't have to be on PUP or, you know, any of the lists. Um, you know, he was clearly on a pitch count. He was practicing every other day. And in all the days of open camp, four and a half weeks or so worth, we didn't see him in a competitive team drill. Um, the rule now is we get to see the first 15 or 20 minutes of practice, just individual stuff. You know, we're not allowed to report anything, even if we see it, it's, it's closed practice, but we don't see much. So, um, you know, has he acted and has he lined up in walkthroughs and in early practice stuff? Not, not just this week, um, but going back many weeks, like he's going to play. Yes. He's never worn a brace. He's never clutched at the knee. He's never shown any hesitation in anything. I mean, the guy is a freak. Baker Mayfield said it yesterday. I think you forget how fast he is. And like I said, if you just came to practice one day and just were watching, and I would have said one guy in that group is coming off a torn ACL nine months ago, you would have never guessed it was number 13. So, you know, even this weekend, he's only going to be at 10 months off the surgery. I think he's going to play. I think he'll be on a pitch count of some sort. That just makes sense. But I don't want to put any restrictions on him. And and the Browns, for strategic reasons and, and maybe for tempering the optimism reasons, you know, have been real real low-key in, in how they approach it. Uh, we only heard from Odell once. It was back in late July before camp started. Um, that interview was cut off after four minutes. You know, Hopefully today when we go to Berea, we'll hear from Odell. You know, he doesn't do himself any favors or the team doesn't do himself any favors by hiding anything. Odell is a sharp guy. He's an engaging guy. He's a good teammate. And all some of this lingering shit that he supposedly is a bad guy and a bad teammate and all of that, I don't think that gets helped by hiding him. But anyway, my point is, I don't know for sure. My read has always been that we'll see him on the field on Sunday. Um, probably over the first part of the season, see him in limited role. But I don't know. So so stay tuned. I think one really important thing to watch this year, guys, with Odell, with Jarvis, um, you know, they're going to have to get the ball out quickly. Teams are going to move their defense to take away the bootleg stuff. So to counterpunch that counterpunch, there's going to have to be some one-step drops and some slip screens to those guys. And we've seen Odell catch the short pass and take it a long way, and he can help the Browns in that regard. Um, you'll read it in my season predictions column. I just think Miles is sitting on a huge year. I just think he's so talented that um, you can't hold this guy down. I think he's looking at 16 or 18 sacks. He's a legit defensive player of the year candidate. And after rewatching the playoff game and just in knowing – for the Browns to have a shot on Sunday, they're going to need Miles Garrett to have a huge game. So it doesn't always mean three sacks or whatever, but he's got to command attention. He's got to get Mahomes off his spot, and he's got to get the football out. You know, whether that's chasing down a play, um, chasing down Mahomes from behind, you know, getting the rare clean shot that you get on Mahomes and taking the ball away. I mean, they need Miles. I feel like he's ready for it. I feel like he's sitting on a huge season, and we will see how all of that goes. So um, let me. Take a deep breath here. Uh, let me go to the people smarter than me. Let them dial in. I almost said let me dial in, Nate Taylor. We're not going to leave that to me. Um, Nate has covered the Chiefs for a long time. We've been um, co-workers here at The Athletic for several seasons. He's covered the last two Super Bowls because the Chiefs have been there. They're the strong favorite in the AFC to get back to three. Let's get the pulse of the Chiefs. Uh, let's get the feel for you know concerns and optimism and big fixes here from Nate Taylor. All right, as promised, he's on the line. He's Nate Taylor, 
in KC with the Chiefs every day. Um, and I want to start there, Nate. Uh, two things, so you can take them one at a time. But uh, obviously, everybody saw the Super Bowl, and, and the mm-hmm. offensive line got beat up, and therefore Patrick got beat up, right? Um, we know there's a bunch of offensive line starters. Everyone knows that. So I, I want to know your thoughts on that. And then what else is different um, from the Chiefs? And maybe we don't know, knowing that you see, you know, every day uh, being there covering the team. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on, Zach. Uh, let's talk about the offensive line because it has dominated. It's been the major theme of this offseason here in Kansas City. Um, you know, the Browns will face an entirely new offensive line. I mean, that that is... Even in the free agency, obviously, major transaction, it's just kind of a remarkable thing for an NFL team to do, which is just change out all five linemen. But I think, you know, Browns fans are probably more uh, aware of Orlando Brown. He will go from right tackle to left tackle with the Chiefs, of course. Joe Tooney uh, is the highest paid left guard in NFL history. And then you've got three rookies, uh, center Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma, Trey Smith, the right guard from Tennessee, and then Lucas Niang, who opted out of last year, but is a rookie who uh, performed pretty well at TCU uh, in the Big 12. And I think the matchup that I'm most interested in seeing, of course, is how many times will Miles Garrett go against Lucas Niang um, in trying to get to Mahomes to pressure him uh, in Sunday's game. And then secondly, as, as you mentioned, Zach, the way this team looks different beyond just uh, the five guys trying to protect Mahomes is there's actually – some change on the defensive line. And so for Baker Mayfield, um, the one guy he's going to have to identify in every snap is Chris Jones. And that used to be a pretty easy thing to do because he was arguably the second best offensive tackle in the league with a wide difference between him and Aaron Donald, of course. But the Chiefs have made the decision to, to try to see if they can generate more pass rush with four by moving Chris Jones as a hybrid pass rusher. So he'll have maybe first and second down snaps at defensive end. Maybe he'll slide back on the interior on third and long situations. Uh, we don't really know in Kansas City because they've never done it before. And this is sort of a new experiment that they're going to roll out on Sunday. Uh, Jaron Reed came from Seattle. He is now a- another defensive tackle that the Chiefs can sort of used. Frank Clark did not play in the preseason, but he's had star performance years. He kind of needs to have a bounce back year as the opposite defensive end. So the changes for the Chiefs, while they still have the majority of their skill position players intact, a lot of it has to do with the new offensive line, all five positions, and obviously Chris Jones, um, trying to see if he can be more of a dominant player, more of a bigger name in terms of pass rushing ability, both from the inside and from the out. Yeah, and I mean, that's what you have to do. You have to keep Baker Mayfield in the pocket, right? And you have to pressure him up the middle. Um, If you let him out of the pocket, he, he can throw on you. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Um, you know, Nate, this is a little tricky um, for us in that, you know, some people, a lot of people won't listen until Friday or even Saturday. We may have answers on that. But, you know, I think Odell Beckham's going to go. The Browns haven't committed to it. I understand. You know, we haven't, at least in what we've seen, there hasn't been any contact, any competitive work. He's only on month 10 from from the ACL. You know, if he plays 20 plays, that's a bonus. And the Chiefs have to respect him. They didn't mm-hmm. have that when this team played. And then on the Kansas City side, there's Tyron Matthew who's on the COVID list, you know, we're hearing or I'm seeing on Twitter, you're hearing um, Coach Reed, Coach Spagnuolo say maybe, we don't know. You know, what? what is the feel? And, and, I mean, gosh, just having rewatched that playoff game and just knowing Tyron Matthews' career, I mean, that that to me would be a really significant loss if he can't go. Yeah, it, it would be. And, again, even if our listeners know um, what the outcome is, whether Matthew is, you know, put back on the active roster if he's cleared uh, medically to play. Uh, he did test positive last week, even though he's fully vaccinated. So uh, he's got to obviously get two negative tests uh, on consecutive days or in a 24-hour you know time frame from one to the next. Uh, he's got to be uh, not having any symptoms from the virus. So that is what it appears to be the case right now as of Thursday afternoon. Um, I will tell Browns fans that Andy Reid is a very traditional old school head coach. He's going into his 23rd season, you know, leading a team. And so uh, since I've covered the Chiefs over the last several years, Andy does not like to play a player who does not practice on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So if Tyron Matthew misses Friday's practice, that's another indicator that he may, A, not play, or B, he's going to be on a very, very limited role, similar to maybe Odell Beckham, where, hey, if we can get 10 to 15 snaps and the operation goes pretty well, uh, you take it and you move on and hope that both players in this sort of situation uh, get better as the season moves along. But it will change everything because there were times last year where because of pre-stat movement and because Tyron had all season to look at the Browns film, he could move around and sort of make Baker Mayfield really think for a half second. And I think that had a lot to do with the Chiefs' success on third downs. Obviously, he had an interception in the divisional round game. Without Tyron Matthew, it really does limit what defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo can do, and it puts that much of an onus on Chris Jones, Frank Clark, and can the four-man rush, can an occasional blitz, you know, disrupt the Browns' offense? Um, I, I get the sense that people in the organization believe that Tyron Matthew will play, but I was told by a few folks that they thought Thursday was going to be the day where he would return to the facility, that he would get a little bit of work on the practice fields, and then obviously he would ramp up to Sunday that, of course, has not happened. So whoever the Browns see on Sunday, um, it will not be the fully formed defense that the Chiefs thought that they were sort of grooming all offseason for just because, as we know, Zach, this 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 virus um, can complicate not only the season, uh, but it can complicate games even on opening day. Sure, sure. Um, I think that's kind of the rub of this, Nate. I mean, here in Cleveland, this is – one of the biggest regular season games in 20 years. Right. Wow. And, mm-hmm. and, and the chiefs, like, 
in a way, they're past playing big regular season games, right? Unless they lose a bunch, but they just got embarrassed in the Super Bowl. They want to come out and this, you know, it's 325 spotlight game for them too, right? Yes, so yes. Mm-hmm. You saying fully formed kind of caught my attention because, you know, these teams have their foundational players, right? But I, I just don't think by the time week eight and week nine rolls around that we're going to be able to draw a lot of references specifically to when these teams would meet again, which is in week 20, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it's still a big game. Um, you know, does it mean more to the Chiefs, you think, just because they want to erase that Super Bowl memory? Or do you think it means more to the Browns because, you know, they they know they want to legitimize themselves, I guess? Yeah. And you want to see how much you've closed the gap from January. I, I think, you know, for, for, for any team in the AFC that really believes that they have a shot to contend against the Chiefs, I would boil that down to maybe four teams. Uh, the Browns are one of them. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens were a team that I think is a real threat, although they they're dealing with it seems like just injuries and, and issues every day in the run up to opening day. Uh, the Buffalo Bills are obviously the team chasing down the Chiefs uh, because of their sort of season ending in the AFC Championship game, and I think from a divisional standpoint, maybe the Chargers are most in, in the best position, I believe, to sort of uh, rise up and have a have a pretty successful season, obviously with Justin Herbert. Um, so. I mentioned all those teams and the Chiefs play all those teams in the first five weeks of the season. So if the Chiefs win Sunday, I don't necessarily call it a surprise. It's just how much of that game will either mirror uh, what happened in the divisional round, how much of that will change. And if you're the Cleveland Browns, I think, yeah, what better time than now uh, to sort of announce yourself to the team that you're trying to chase the most? I mean, I think this roster is really well put together. Um I feel like this game in some ways, Zach, comes down to what Jadavian Clowney will do if, if he's if he's also available, right? So um it's a big game for the Browns. I, I I clearly get that. For the Chiefs, they expect this thing to be a 20-game season. Uh I just want to remind Browns fans, as much as you love your team, as much as you know your team is coming, as much as you know Baker Mayfield has improved under Kevin Stefanski. And we assume, me included, that that improvement is going to continue to be an ascending process. Patrick Mahomes has never lost in September. Yeah, Patrick and Mahomes. Patrick never... Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. Yes, <laughs> but like the but honestly, outside of yeah. like maybe postseason Mahomes, September Mahomes is honestly some of the best football I've ever watched in person. Just because a he's healthy, two you tie up the scheme between Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy and all the new plays that they just have. Sure. To sort of unleash on teams, it's it's horrifying if you're a defensive coordinator <laughs> right. uh, facing this team on opening day just because you have no idea what to really go off on or what you see in the Super Bowl or what you see in the division around last year. How much will that tie into this matchup? It, it may not be at all. So um, I've seen some plays in the preseason or in training camp that sort of suggest, wow, they're going to do some new things with this new offensive line. But can the Cleveland Browns force Patrick Mahomes to throw an interception? Because, again, he's never thrown an interception yeah, it's in September. <laughs> the Chiefs are 10-0 with Patrick Mahomes in September. Um, I like to remind fans all the time, in 2018, their first home game was against the San Francisco 49ers. And that team was pretty talented on defense then. Obviously, that was a year before they went to the Super Bowl. And it's one of the most destructive performances I've ever seen from a quarterback. Um, so, look, the Browns have a chance. But I would advise Kevin Stavisky. I would advise Baker Mayfield. 
When you get off that bus at Arrowhead Stadium, you need to think about scoring 30 to 35 points to remain competitive, to put real pressure on the Chiefs. And let's see how close of a game it is in the fourth quarter to where it could be a toss-up that mostly favors the road team, uh, particularly when you know you're starting a new season and you want to make a name for yourself. Well, I guess we can just stop soon because we're thinking the exact same thing here, Nate. I mean, the reason that I think the Chiefs are going to score a bunch on Sunday is the Browns have remade their defense and longer and faster is the theme. Mm. But these guys have never played together, right? And mm. come out with the Chiefs, with Mahomes' arm, with the freshness, with the excitement, with the anger, right? And, and the Browns are turning, trying to learn how to communicate on the fly. And he's got Tyreek in one spot and Kelsey in the other and Mikhail Hardman running 80 yards down the field. Like it's going to be really hard for them to get their communication down um, in that environment. I completely agree. It is yeah. a good challenge. I, I'll offer up one prediction. Uh, obviously, I think the Chiefs are going to score a lot of points. I think, and you just touched on this too, I think Kevin Stefanski looks at that game and says, well, probably two out of 10 or 15 or even 20 times do the Browns and Chiefs play, and it's 22 to 17, right? I think he he echoes your thought of we got to get to 30 or 35. So I think from the jump, you're going to see an aggressive quarterback, an aggressive play caller, and the Browns trying to push the ball down the field and get there. I mean, eventually you're going to have to force turnover, right? Eventually you're going to have to hold them to three, but you are not going to keep the Chiefs at 22 points. You're just not. It, it's it, it would take it would take really some unforeseen things, right? I mean, it, let, let's go through the checklist, Zach. Uh, you need a couple turnovers. You need to you need to sort of in possessions in the in your favor. The Chiefs were not one of the best defensive teams in the red zone last year, so you hope that trend sort of continues. Maybe you know Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt will be really effective in goal line situations. Um, I would advise Kevin Stefanski. Look, I know it's week one. I know you don't want to show everything, but to instill confidence in your team, I would say go for it on fourth down. I don't care if it's fourth and five. Like, just go for it because um, you want to – I think there were too many teams last year that were so afraid of the Chiefs that they weren't willing to test them on a four-down situation. Like, if you pass, you know, the 50-yard line, um, you got to be thinking of getting points. And usually you need to get, you know, six or seven versus uh, the three alternatives. So I would say – um, look, opening day is, is one of the more fascinating times because you can plan for all these things. You can have time to really go through your thought process as to how you think you can inflict damage on your opponent. It's just a matter of, can you execute? Can you have confidence and not be afraid, um, to do things that are somewhat unorthodox just because you're playing a quarterback that, um, when things are usually right in September, he he's playing at the best level that you can find across the league. So uh, get the turnovers, you know, be really effective in the red zone and on third down and, and try to get, try to get, you know, try to let the chiefs know that, Hey, um, it's going to be this way in September. And let's hope that it's a similar situation for the Browns in January. Um, I tell teams all the time, just, just go for it. It doesn't, it doesn't right. help punting right. the ball to Patrick Mahomes. I don't care if it's 80 yards, a 60 yard drive, or obviously if it's a much shorter distance than that, but um, if it's fourth and one and it's the first quarter, give the ball to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and, and see if you can make a statement early on. I agree. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, 
the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Um, last thing, Nate, you know, obviously the Chiefs went on and played two more games after that one, and it was the end of the Browns season. So, you know, Kevin Stefanski's talked about we've moved on, but it sticks with you. Jarvis Landry and Baker Mayfield have talked about we've moved on, but it sticks with you. You watch the tape and you hate this, you hate that. Is there anything that stuck with you from talking with the Chiefs coaches and players this week that that they remember about that game in particular or or maybe one area that they've talked about spinning forward that they really have to be good at this week other other than than blocking Miles Garrett obviously. <laughs> yeah, what a what a what a great player. Um again, there's going to be so many misdirections, motions, you know, pre-snap movement just so that Miles Garrett doesn't just tee off immediately. Um, that I, I find that part of the game kind of fascinating, but, but to your question, I think, um, in a lot of ways, this game for the chiefs will serve as something of, you know, we put in a lot of work to give Patrick Mahomes the ability to just give us an advantage that again, not a lot of teams have Patrick Mahomes did not finish that game against the Cleveland Browns. And I know F- Browns fans understand that. I know that. You know, Chad Henney had the best moment in his entire career coming off the bench and and sort of guiding the team to the finish line. Um, But I think for Mahomes, so much of this comes down to how often is he hit? Can he stay comfortable in the pocket? And weirdly, as everybody knows, he's capable of doing just absolutely freakish things, whether it's sidearm throws, throwing the ball left-handed, obviously the no-look passes, the scrambling and extending plays and throwing the ball, you know, 50 yards downfield to Tyreek Hill. All that is still available. But I wonder, you know, philosophically, if he could just operate from the pocket and be efficient and the Chiefs still win, then that bodes poorly for the Browns, poorly for the Bills, poorly for every team in the NFL because there are going to be times where Mahomes is going to go off script. And the Chiefs understand that, and they're more than comfortable with his decision-making. But if he has to do that less because the offense is just, you know, textbook stronger... Uh, most notably up front with the offensive line, even with Miles Garrett on the field, um, that will be the biggest indicator. How close is the gap or wide, depending on the outcome? And does Mahomes not have to be the guy that we first saw in 2018, 2019 um, because he has just a better collection of players around him, even though the Chiefs have already been the back-to-back Super Bowls? 
Yeah. Um, one thing that hasn't really gotten talked about much here either, because just, just the general excitement about the game, Arrowhead is going to be hot as hell and it's going to be loud. Too, and it's going it? to be uncontrollably loud. I, I just, it got loud last time. It got loud sometimes last year, even with, you know, limited 22% capacity. So, uh, all of us are going to have to adjust our ears, even the Cleveland Browns, to where what is 78,000 fans who have just been, you know, dying for such uh, an opportunity to sort of voice themselves. Um, it, it's a great point, Zach, because, you know, a lot of these teams adjusted with no fans. And, you know, sure. as the season got along, I think the play sort of smoothed out and it wasn't as abnormal to everybody. But, um, but yeah, that first third and eight, you know, for Baker Mayfield, I, I kind of want to see what it's going to be like. Uh, for the Browns and obviously working on a silent count and doing those things because uh, Chiefs fans are just as eager, I think, as probably some of the players are to to make the Browns aware that they are still, you know, the top of the AFC and, and reminding those fans. But look, I you know, I've talked to people in the Chiefs organization that there's going to be a sizable amount of Browns fans. So, um, you know, we are slowly getting back to normal. Um, and one of those indicators will be third and eight. What does Baker Mayfield do? Chris Jones is coming off the edge. The you know the the place is ear splitting loud. Um, and let's see what happens. Right, Nate. We thank you for the time. He's Nate Taylor. As you folks know, if you're listening, Sunday CBS four twenty five Eastern, Browns and Chiefs. The season you've been waiting on is here. It's one hell of a matchup. Subscribe to the Athletic. Subscribe, download, share all the good stuff with Civilized Barking Podcast. Jason and I will have another one. Um, Sunday night or Monday morning as we look at what happened in that game and start to move ahead to week two. It's going to be fun. Enjoy it. Thanks for listening to Civilized Learning.